variety. We are coming at you on a Friday. Well, at least that's when I'm recording this podcast. I am your host, Byron Horton, at this time. Uh, we'll be getting Dave and a couple of the other guys on here momentarily. Obviously, it's coronavirus, uh, full-on quarantine-style uh, life right now. But um, as always with the Whitetail Experience podcast, I, I try to focus it uh, similar to our video brand and what we're doing, what we got going on. And I thought this would be a, a topic for conversation that I think that community would would like and that's um the whitetail calendar and what it, it i kind of have got some notes and thoughts around each month slash sometimes i bucket months into what what i'm doing or what i should be doing i feel to to be a more effective whitetail hunter and just maximizing my time and, and maximizing how i can be successful and you know Something that that I feel like really took my deer hunting to the next level when it was when I started kind of that year round approach. Um, I would say I used to do a little bit of scouting, and then I would definitely shoot my bow. I always really liked shooting the bow, um, especially in the summer months. But when I kind of started running around with with Dave and Andy, these guys were shooting their bows year round, and so that was something I really picked up on um, from them. And then Dave really kind of pushed me to scout more in the off season, um, just to have a better fall. And I always, I'd poke around a little bit, but this was, you know, still very early on, still, you know, figuring out what's going on in the timber and how I should, should get after and, and be successful. So today, like I, I kind of want to go through that and obviously I've got, oh, a little bit different approach now with with a family coming that that I'm going to have to maximize that time and I know it's going to get harder and you know this calendar is just my thoughts and a cliff notes to to what I'm thinking about what I'm doing and uh man I wish I'd have taken this approach that first couple years out of college and, and maybe start to dabble in this during college but nonetheless um let's go ahead and work through the months um let's start in January obviously uh, assuming you've killed a buck, if not you, you're hunting um, at that point, and and scouting can be key for late season success on on public land. I know um, I've been doing some scouting in the last couple of years, and and Dave has really hit the late season hard, and so he's probably got a little better bead on um, potential encounters and where these deer tend to hold up late in season after they've been pressured for a while. And I know I have been scouting, seen a buck, and told Dave about it. He's actually went in there and had some decent hunts um, just based on the fact that it was like I did some scouting. Hey, I, I did find a pretty good uh, piece of intel visually seeing a buck. And he went in there and, and did not see, I think, a buck. But he, uh, he saw a good amount of deer. And it just, you know, late season, there's a lot of empty woods. There's a lot of empty areas, um, small game pressure, rabbit hunters. They, they tend to, to go into pieces. We have pieces that go ice cold once a uh, rabbit and pheasant season, uh, comes into play. So, um, I think snow is something that, you know, if your schedule allows, uh, here in Ohio, we, we don't, um, we get snow, sure, but it's not like the Wisconsin's and Michigan's that are under snow, you know, for the whole month of January. And so you could use that to potentially catch a track, um, even crossing a road. Um, I've heard Lucas Psycho talk about that. Never personally executed that. I, I Don't get me wrong, I've walked a fair amount of tracks looking um, in the snow. 
Um, but I'm not a huge fan of scouting in the snow, and I think that'll come to a shock to most. But I just, I, I don't like the fact I can't see um, older deer poop that's been on the ground, uh, even if it's 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 older, or you know, the snow can cover deer poop where deer are actually like using an area more frequently and you can walk right by it and if a deer hasn't passed within say 24 hours you have no idea that area is even hot versus if there was no snow you can pick up on tracks you can pick up on shit and and that's just you know i'm, I'm just not a snow guy and if i do use snow i actually don't like it i guess if i was hunting let me preference that preference that but if I was hunting, I would like the snow to be less than 24 hours old. But if I'm scouting, I almost want two to three days of information on that snow. Um, I just think that allows some time to, to deer to move in and around an area and you can kind of get a, a beat on what's going on. You may find beds that they used one day and not the next. Um, obviously in January, um, I tend to do some big wood scouting because I think you can pick up some sheds there. And really this because, you know, I think those deer tend to shed earlier. I've picked up a few um, big wood sheds in January, in December. And uh, I talked to a buddy, Heath um, Cisco out of Southern Ohio. And he, he hunts a, a kind of a mixed area of ag meets the big woods. And uh, he's been doing this at a much higher level for, for way longer than myself. And I, I personally asked him this question on the phone almost a month ago. I was like, hey, Heath, like, I believe Big Woods deer shed earlier. What's your thoughts on this matter? And he said, oh, absolutely. He feels that they shed sometimes almost a month earlier. Um, so that kind of really gave me some confidence, I feel like, to to say that or believe in that. And, and despite not finding any sheds this year in the Big Woods, I definitely think uh, that's something to key in on if you're going to hunt both and, and kind of still want to pick up antlers in January, maybe start in the big woods. Moving into February, obviously you've got um, scouting and sheds um, when, when, when time allows. And I'm a big believer and you just look at the months, January, February, and when time allows you go because you're never guaranteed uh, time. You could say, oh, in two weeks I'll be doing X, Y, and Z. Well, what if that weekend rolls around and, uh, it rains all weekend or something comes up where you're unable to go uh, work asks you to do something or the wife has has something that comes up and you absolutely cannot get out of the house uh, I, I think you got to be opportunistic especially um, once you, you you get a family I, I can't speak to having a kid but I know I've seen guys and Dave's a, a believer dude if the if, if he can sneak out for a two-hour scout that's better than nothing um, and that that, that scouting time, shed hunting, miles, those just, it's a cumulative effect. It's not like, yeah, one scout can make or break your season. I, I do believe that, but it really helps when you're able to put in multiple miles, multiple um, hours, you know, figuring stuff out. Rolling into March, that is the time of year I have found the most sheds. Uh, that's no, no, you know, I think a lot of those deer have dropped at that point. Um, I think, um, Oh, I have a note here. I, I do hate March for, for one thing, and you get those 50-degree days where the morning starts 20s, 30s. To me, that's a, that's the ideal shed hunting temperatures because I can wear like a hoodie and a vest and uh, not get too hot, but I've still got protection from thorns, briars, and anything like that. But once it gets up into the 50s, it's uh, to me, that's not 
you know, you start getting warm then. You you walk up hillsides and stuff, that, that burns you up. You know, you get you start sweating a lot then. Um, something we're doing right now in March is we are planning our out-of-state hunts um, for the year. Uh, something else that, that I'm doing in March, uh, I've, I've talked about this on several podcasts, but when I go uh, shed hunting or scouting, I tend to go early. And I'm, I'm listening for turkeys um, that first 20 minutes to an hour. I, I, you don't hear them every time, but uh, I've heard them two two times out between february and march uh jumped a bird the other day actually the bird dog you know i'm out in this thicket farm country and this is a pretty funny story i'm i'm scouting and it's like honeysuckle autumn olives cedars grasses and small trees so uh, you can't you can't necessarily uh, a turkey can't fly in some areas you know but they can tunnel you know they can use some of those tunnels this is an area you're kind of crawling at some points and they're the deer are just loving this area and anyways i'm i'm walking along scouting shed hunting and i can see an object kind of moving through at about 30 yards uh maybe in that 20 30 yard range and it's you know turkey style and here comes west running right behind it and they kind of hook to my left and they're about 10 yards and i can't really see and i'm standing in like a grassier cedar area but west and the turkey there's too much overgrowth for the turkey to take off and he's closing the distance and I'm like, oh shit. I did try to get my phone out, um, but this turkey turns the corner, comes to the CRP and ends up taking off and flies over my head. Oh, somewhere between six and 10 yards, maybe even a touch less, but literally flew right over me. Would have been some super cool footage, but uh, Wes the bird dog almost had himself the biggest burden. Uh, I'm kind of glad he didn't catch him. I'm not sure how that would have turned out with the the spurs or whatever, but um kind of a funny story there um moving on let's see here to april i turkey hunt i think it's fun when the birds are gobbling i don't have the most turkey hunting experience i've killed one bird um it's kind of an addition to your scouting Uh, you know you can kind of figure some stuff out i have found one shed while turkey hunting and it i'm not going to push the issue with turkey hunting i think it's more um, at least for me personally, like when the wife allows, I'm not going to burn too much vacation. I, I did burn some vacation in 2018 just cause I had some birds located and we open on a Monday. And so I, I, I took, I think one half day to, to pursue birds, maybe two half days, but I'd go into the office in the later half and I had a decent amount of PTO at, at the place I was working at. Um, May, June, I've lumped these together, um, and you can throw this maybe into late April. Start looking at your bow system, um, what you're going to shoot uh, as far as arrows, broadheads. Uh, that's something we've slacked at, especially me personally. I uh, I switched bows last year late. I, I hate, I hate setting up a new bow. I like to find a system that works and uh, hold on to it. And actually, I've, I've gone back to, to my old bow that I've shot since, I think, 2017. Um, I just like it. And, uh, yeah, so you want to start be messing with that. I feel, um, let's see here. Next note. Oh, trail cam deployment, May, June timeframe. This kind of goes along with some of the thoughts we've talked about as far as when you got time, use it because you're never guaranteed, you know, the future time. 
Uh, I know the Bucks aren't necessarily showing their 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 greatest detail, but if you stash some cameras out, and I'm a long-term soaker guy, by May and June, you can tell where the bean fields are in, in um, ag country, farmland. Uh, this year, I actually plan to you know, put a majority of my summer trail cameras in easy to get to spots. Something that I don't think is talked about is when you run these trail cams on public land. So you got to drive to the spot. There's an hour, hour and a half. Walk to a location. Let's call it 20 minutes, maybe 30. Hang the trail camera set because you got to get elevated. Um, and then you got to check it 400 times uh, to make sure your angle's right. There's another 20, 30 minutes and you got another 20 minute walk out. I mean, that's that's some serious time to get some cameras out and a strategy I'm going to look at to do this year is we, we have a lot of trail cam failures. So if I step out the vehicle, I don't think it's a terrible idea at this point to go ahead and put maybe two, two trail cameras within 50 yards of each other, just because one of those is likely to fail. Like we are somewhere around like 40% of our trail cams fail. It's, it's an awful percentage. A lot of that, I think, is due to the elevated uh, sets we run. Twigs get in the way, or we've had a raccoon jump on the mountain, then it's pointed straight down the rest of the year. And also, they get stolen. Um, we've had three trail cams stolen lately, and, and so I think my, my, my tactic's going to be to get those, you know, currently they're probably 10 foot up. I think it's going to be bring one of my big aiders and a and a stick and I'll probably use that that double stick I like being able to get my feet level um, when hanging those and it's like a mini platform at that point so you know I could use a double stick and that monster aider and probably get those cameras more 12 to 14 foot um, and I think when a guy looks up there he can't you know yeah he can monkey up there but it's it's gonna take a, a couple more pull-ups to get up there if he would fall it's a it's a more significant fall at that point and it's it's way you know it's it's significantly higher than say the eight foot mark as far as a visual for him to pick up on uh, but we've had enough cameras go missing that that i think and fail that i i may if i step out the vehicle why not hang two in an area knowing one one could fail one could get stolen let's see here oh i talked about easy to get to spots i think in the big woods I did this as kind of an experiment last year, and I put one on a uh, almost like a road crossing or a trail real close to the road, literally five yards off a forest road. And uh, I think I may do that again this year. I may not put it five yards, but like let's say you, you've got a hammer trail coming right to the road. I may walk that back 20, 25 yards and, and throw a camera up and just see what kind of deer are crossing the area. Because I can get that camera out in 15 minutes. I, it doesn't take hardly any time. If I have a few of those around my, my big timber environment, I should be able to pick up a shooter at some point, maybe. It's kind of a theory. I really haven't tested it. I, I really haven't ran trail cameras at a high level for a long time. Um, in fact, really last year, that was kind of a goal of mine. I've, I've had some trail cameras, you know, I think four to six out at a time. And bounced them around a little bit, used them to scout. But last year, I, I kind of made it an effort to be um, to maximize them. I, I think it was kind of a hole in my arsenal. And I talked to a lot of guys that run them at a higher level than myself, like uh, oh, Mr. Um, oh, BG Bowhunter. Uh, I had several calls to him and a few other guys as well that are kind of have done the, the trail cams at a higher level than myself. And uh, 
Dave personally, he, he goes back and forth. He loves the detail, but, uh, he will admit he will retire from trail cameras three times before August just because we, we've had some fail and then you've put in all that time and energy and effort and uh, really could have been doing other things more beneficial and not taking time away from the family and he gets real frustrated. It's kind of, it, it's not funny, but it is funny. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I definitely plan to get some, some cameras out. Um, Moving to July, August, definitely heavy bow shooting, broadhead shooting, knowing what's going on with your bow. Uh, broadheads tend to um, tell you the, the, the story quicker than, than just field points. Last year, I had a nightmare like a week before season where I could not get my prime to broadhead tune. And so I, I took it to the shop. I took it to two shops. And was really just having a fit. And I shot the bow actually really well, especially I felt it was one of the more accurate bows I've shot at 30 yards. I noticed my groups were really good, but just could not get that thing to, uh, to tune um, with broadheads. And finally, um, we were throwing stuff like we took three different arrows at, at the shop, um, Attaboy's Archery. Um, and we, we took three different arrows, two guys shooting it. It was a nightmare. So I definitely think shooting broadheads early in the summer, um, and not monkeying around with your archery setup, um, right before season is key. Let's talk about glassing. Um, that's something I did more of this year and true. I had the time to do it. It may not be something I can do as much, um, in the future with a kiddo on the way, but Sometimes you learn more from glassing areas than you do from trail cameras. I can think of a piece that I located a couple better bucks um, and a little better deer population than I initially thought because I was driving it and glassing. And the the trail cams in, in this piece weren't picking up the deer. Now I had the total opposite happen on a oh, what I feel is a better piece of public where I glassed it several times and I'd see deer and I'd see small bucks. But I had a bunch of uh, 115 eight points. Like I had a group of like four or five 100 inch eight, uh, 115 inch eight points, and there was like one 130 that I knew about from trail cams. And I'm talking trail camera data of um, deer going through this area multiple times, not just like one occurrence, which I feel is huge. Like you can get one picture of a deer, and it's just one picture. But when you get a repeat, that really sparks my interest. Again, not a trail camera expert, but. That's just kind of my thoughts around it. But anyways, this piece, I had all these bucks on trail camera. I never saw a deer of that caliber that I had on trail camera from the road glassing. And I don't know if it's these deer, they're smart and they're not maybe visiting the ag fields that are visible from the road. Maybe I need to get out and actually climb a tree and, and glass a better field, even though I'm limited to just that field. Maybe those, those bigger, smarter bucks, they're, they're further back in. I, I haven't, I don't have a, a tremendous amount of glassing experience. Heck, I don't even have a spotting scope. But I, I now feel I have these, these skills and abilities that if I see a deer and learn of a deer in a certain area, I can go in and start figuring them out and, and hopefully create an encounter. Not saying I will, but I think I've got obviously the equipment, I've, I've got the experience at this point to, to at least make a good crack at it. Um, 
I have a note in here on July, August. What are you doing the big woods? Because glassing really isn't a super big technique. I'd love to hear from some guys or pick some brains and some guys that uh, I'm curious to, to how they go about their big woods. Uh, again, I run trail cameras. Um, I've run trail cameras on creek crossing so I can look at tracks. But I think uh, I know I educated deer by putting these trail cameras uh, in areas I had planned to hunt. And so I visited them once to twice in the summer, went in to hunt it, and I, I saw deer, but I did not see the deer I was after. And I, I think I did more damage than good by putting a trail camera in there. I already had a match set of a good one. Why did I you know, need to mess that up? I should have had that camera maybe out closer to the road. Um, I don't know. I messed that one up, but that's what happened. September rolls around, and obviously there's some September openers. I think this year we may play with the idea of going to Kentucky, or um, I've hunted Wisconsin in September before, and uh, that's definitely a time of year where, you know, in the past we've been, we're real, we've been scrambling to get stuff done, and it's just, you know, stuff you, you've kind of put off, and, and I've got a note here as far as don't put off your purchases. Get that gear early midsummer so you can mess with it. You can become uh, knowledgeable on it. You can mess with it. Uh, you're just familiar. It takes some of that learning curve out of the equation. And you're not in scramble mode. We've had uh, issues in the past where we, I, I think camera arms. I can think of two times that we as a team didn't order camera arms and then we needed camera arms. And we. Dave will tell you on his his buck film this year he had a, a piece of shit I mean a piece of shit the hawk camera arm is fine for the money it it gets you started but like it doesn't have that what I call left to right adjustment and Dave was messing with that on a few key hunts in the rut and it, you know he he talks about it to this day did that cost him a buck and uh, you definitely watch the video he he dropped some f bombs it's pretty funny. But uh, that's, that's a situation right there where if maybe he had ordered a camera arm midsummer, um, he's sitting there November 4th with a better situation and is able to capitalize. Uh, any other September notes? Um, nope. Moving to October. Obviously, we opened the last weekend in September, so I'm lumping that into October. I, I like to hunt the opener. I think it's fun. I think it's part of tradition. Um you wait for it all year. I've never had a bead on a big buck for the opener, personally. Uh, I also look at that time of year to, especially right now, like I wish I had a second deer in my freezer. I tried to kill a doe late. Uh, last two years, I've been trying to kill does late on my uh, private piece. Uh, and I just, I run out of time and I don't get it done. So I need to, I need to personally figure out and go on these doe missions and you know, doe missions are definitely different than, say, uh, hunting a buck. Obviously, if I got a lead on a good one, I'm not going on doe missions. But uh, Dave and I, in particular, have spots that are, are set up to kill does uh, on pieces of public. Um, you know, these are areas we can tiptoe around and, and not screw too much up, we feel. Um, still, you know, because even on public, we, we have honey holes. We have stuff we don't touch until November. It's, you know, you, you hear so much about this aggressive, oh, I'm going to go in and I'm aggressive. I'm an aggressive hunter. That's, yeah, don't get me wrong. We, we, we feel the same way, but we got some spots that are more doe friendly. Um, definitely don't want to drag does super far when you don't need to. 
Um, I think this October I'm going to try and get Liz her first year and we may hunt the, hunt the piss out of that private piece that my family owns just because we'll pound it and she can finally uh, get an opportunity. I think if we play our cards right, there's deer there and and I've got them figured out enough that if she hunts it hard in October, we should be able to make it happen. Let's talk about that first cold front um, in October. That is a magical day. And I'm talking the the dip into like the 30s for the first time when it goes from say, oh, 50s overnight to you get an overnight temp in the 30s. That is a magical time. I can think uh, Dave has two buddies in particular that killed solid public land bucks um, October like 6 on a cold front that just, you know, was a snap. And those were in the morning. Um, they both killed. Like it wasn't just one guy. And my trail cam data actually from this year, and I'm trying to think if we had any sightings. Dave's had some early October morning buck signings on good mornings. Uh, I can think two years ago he had a, a, a bachelor group, and, and the biggest buck was kind of that 118, 115. He definitely was getting Dave's heart pumped. Um, and this year I look at October 13th. We had a cold front come in on the 12th. And I hunted the 12th real hard, and then I took my wife apple picking on the 13th. And a deer I have a matching set off of um, went daylight October 13th. And I pulled a trail camera three or four days after that, and it was game on from there. But I definitely had another trail camera where there was a tremendous amount of hunting pressure. This camera was sitting over a scrape, easy access spot, but it was like 10 foot in the beach street. Like this camera was hidden. And uh, I had hunters in there all um, September squirrel blasting. I had a decent amount of guys coming in with climbers. There's clearly a local that hunts the crap out of that area. Anyways, October 13th rolls around. Here's a two and a half year old hitting the scrape, I think, in the evening, uh, about an hour before daylight on October 13th, like I said. So that was a, a, you know, I think that first cold front, you may want to burn a half day of PTO, especially if you got a lead on something or even if you can see it coming, maybe get out. Um, if your time allows. Now let's talk about the oh October twentieth shift, and that's I, you know once October twentieth hits, I am really trying to maximize my my effort, my time, and I, I definitely think it's an evening game. Personally, I just haven't had the success in the morning. Not saying you couldn't get it done. I'm not afraid to. I, I still hunt mornings all of October, really. Um, is at a minimum you can get some scouting in, but right around then there, there's a shift. And I've talked to, um, Jake from uh, Exodus and, and I've asked him cause obviously he's got way more trail camera data than myself. And I said, dude, wh- what do you see about late October? And I was really trying to, you know, should I spread my cards out? And, and we, I kind of came to this conclusion based on some of what he was telling me as far as, it seems like there is one day, and he even said it's after October 25th. Now, I've killed a buck on October 25th. I know buddies have killed bucks on October 25th. But he, he his data was saying after October 25th, there is one evening that just seems to pop as far as, you know, for, for no logical, you know, reason. But somewhere between the, the 25th through the 31st, a big deer gets on its feet and it is killable. Um, so I have gone to the strategy and if the wife allows this year, I will continue this strategy. But that last week of October, I try to burn, you know, two half days. Wait, did I say that right? 
No, I try to burn four half days. So I got two PTO days, but I'm spreading them out. True, it's more gas and it is a little more expensive, but that allows me to get four evening hunts in. And I really like evening hunts, especially if I don't have a bead on something because I can scout my way in or I could even spend an hour scouting. You know, I'm able to do a little bit more because I don't have darkness. You know, I, I can... At that point, I'm, I'm reading sign. Uh, Out-of-state pressure is not as prevalent. So that's uh, that's what I like to do right there in that late October time period. As for November, I have one note, and it's pretty simple. Uh, it's hunt your butt off. And that's uh, in the past, I, I've been the guy that takes the, just due to work, I've had to take the 7th through like the 14th, 15th. And I've killed a decent amount of deer. I can think of a, a buck I killed on the 13th. I can think of a buck I killed on the 14th. And I think the 15th. So I've killed a few bucks kind of, oh, right in that, that, that November 13, 15 range. Um, this year I had an encounter November 2nd. And uh, I have a buddy that his strategy is to take two to three days of vacation the the last week of October, like right around Halloween, he takes another two to three days, like fourth, fifth, sixth, and then a few more days, the eighth, ninth, tenth, and he'll just continue to kind of chip away in hopes that he just times it, you know, where he's not grinding, say, a week straight, but he he's taking these two and three day windows to hopefully get it done, and uh, I think that's that's an awesome strategy, especially too, if you can see weather and wind and, and your, your work allows you to, Hey, I'm going to come in on Tuesday, even though I scheduled off, but Wednesday, it looks a little better for, for a stand you want to hunt. So I, I think that's huge. Um, late November, December, we have our gun season here in Ohio. And obviously like, uh, for our team, we, we generally take the guys that haven't killed bucks and, uh, they're, they're the shooters. And, and we do some, some small deer pushes or, or um, need to improve there. I feel like we have a couple good drives down, but I've watched the hunting public guys and they, their level of detail on drives is phenomenal. They, they really take some time and map it out and plan it out. And that's something where we we're lacking in that game. And if I was a guy that still had a tag personally late, you know, into that firearm season and then we have a second one mid December and um, I would, I'd be doing some walking. I, I feel I have done a decent amount of, of still hunting and been successful and had the ability to jump shoot some some really good bucks, actually. Um, even in my younger days, I, I feel like still hunting is a, something I'm really good at. I, uh, I tend to pick up on deer before they pick up on me. I'm pretty comfortable with just standing still for five minutes. Um, I, I have the patience to take one to two steps and stand there. Uh, and, and I I think that, you know, I, I pick up on deer on that first movement, say they're out there at 70 yards, and I pick them up first. And I think that's the biggest key. And I've done some still hunting, uh, even with a bow, and, and that's a strategy I like to use. This year, I kind of had a, uh, a bead on a buck and was hunting him more from tree stands. And I can remember rainy, windy days, and I was like, man, I, I have the detail I need. I'm not going to go still hunt this buck. Um but if I didn't have a beat on him, I would definitely be using that to, to scout and still hunt and hopefully find something um, and make it uh, make it happen. But um, I, back to the original point, I feel like if you can pick up the deer before they see you, that allows you to prepare, kind of manipulate, shift your feet, 
allows you to get in that position to, to shoot them as they're essentially seeing you or starting to figure out that something's not right when they, they step through at that in bow range or if it's firearms, you've got a huge advantage there. Um, moving on to, to, you know, obviously we're pushing for the guys that haven't killed bucks. I'll start scouting if time allows in December. Um, especially if it's a new area. Um, I've, I've bounced around some new pieces of public, uh, just trying to expand my arsenal and not like overlook pieces. I moved, uh, two years ago. So some pieces that were not drivable, uh, just due to time now became drivable. And I think it's important too, to have a, maybe a backup plan. I, I've seen guys where, uh, CWD hit and their, their honey hole piece of public went ice cold. And so I think you, bouncing around and having a backup plan is not a terrible idea, you know, in December. Um, and like I said, I've, I've found deer for my buddy, uh, Dave, you know, walking in December, January comes around, we got a muzzleloader season. I like, you know, I like to hunt that obviously. Um, but you know, it falls around the holidays. So that's kind of a slow time. I would say late December to, to January, has been a slow time. Now, me personally, I've had to crank out some ATA media um, prep, you know, for the ATA show and releases and new products and, you know, little commercials, videos, photos. Um, so for me, that can be a, a super busy time. Um, so I'm not exactly in the timber as much, but the last couple of years, I've been able to punch a buck tag in November. And, and so Dave's actually the, the, I feel like the expert late season guy, just based on his last couple seasons, obviously not uh, 2019, but um, he did a, oh, he hunted hard late season. And that is a grind on some public land, man. That is, you know, hanging stands when it's cold out and you can't feel your fingers and then you got to walk back to the truck. That is, that is some mental, you know, mental toughness for sure. Well, I think that's, that's kind of going to do it for my, my, um, whitetail calendar um in the post of this if you guys have something uh you 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 know i feel i skipped or maybe there's something that you you don't know or i think go ahead and add to that that's kind of why we started doing this is, is another way to engage people and get their thoughts on deer hunting and pick up new tips tactics stuff like that uh, obviously we don't do a lot of food plot stuff just because that's not you know super big on what we do Anyways, I think that's going to do it for Team Harder and Bucks. We're out.